The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome back. I don't have to tell you what's happening in uh, less than two weeks, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. On Friday, it's the Kentucky Oaks. On Saturday, it's the Kentucky Derby. Things have been ramping up. No better time to start listening and sharing these programs and telling your friends about the podcast uh, in case you missed it. Uh, Got uh, two great guests tonight. Uh, starting out with uh, Eric Reed. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I was never the tallest kid or the most cut. You know, obviously that's all changed. But uh, I was the last kid picked on the baseball teams and stuff. And so he might be too as uh, he's kind of on the outside looking in with his horse, Rich Strike, who is on the also eligible list for the Kentucky Derby. The most important part of the story talking with Eric Reed, though, is the amazing comeback that he and his wife Kay have had after the devastating fire about five years ago at their Mercury Equine Training Center. Um, I did a feature story on the training center years ago. Absolutely beautiful. It was the old Spendthrift Farm Training Center. Well, they had a fire back then. wiped out one of their most beautiful barns and in there were 23 thoroughbreds in training that did not survive the fire. Eric and Kate were, Kay were thinking about getting out of the business, but uh, they just got such great response from all the people in the thoroughbred industry that the barns built, they're back in business, and now he could potentially have a horse in the Kentucky Derby. So Eric Reed will be our first guest. And for our second guest, we're going out to Lost Wages to talk to our friend Rich Ng, who uh, you can listen to most days on Race Day Las Vegas with our good friend Ralph Sirocco, broadcast live at 1400 KSHP. AM radio, and of course, it's streamed over the internet. Uh, Rich is also the author of Betting on a Horse Racing for Dummies. You remember the series of Dummies books? Well, he wrote the Betting on Horse Racing for Dummies. Well, they went through them all, and uh, Rich said, well, we're ready for another printing, and said, wait a minute, this needs to really be updated. It's been a while since that book came out, and a lot of technical advantages to racing and changes in the racing calendar have happened. And uh, we'll see how Rich kind of tweaks uh, this uh, primer, shall we say. Great for anybody that wants to get in the game. It's a super, super gift for anybody that says, hey, how do you handicap horses? Tell them, buy this book. Now, uh, we also are blessed with uh, a, a new sponsor, and uh, with the Derby just around the corner, you you want a sports book. Not everybody can make the drive to Louisville, and some people don't have uh, current accounts. Uh, you might want to uh, hook on with a sports book that's had longevity, like BetUS. 
uh, for your gambling needs. You may already know this, but BetUS has been in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades. Yeah, there's a lot of Johnny-come-latelys, but they've been around for over 30 years. So you know that when you bet, you get paid. And outside of horse racing, they got action on every sport across the world. Might be a good time to uh, make a little deposit. As a matter of fact, if you join now using the code in capitals, ponies, P-O-N-I-E-S, you'll get a big 125% deposit bonus. We're going to cap that at 2500 But still, that's an awful good deal. So uh, uh, check it out, bet uh, slash use dot slash dash u dash s dot com. You bet, you win, you get paid. And if you're going to be making those bets on the Derby and the Oaks and all the races in between, you'll want to do nothing but pull down the easy win forms at Winning Ponies. How about this? Racing has kicked back up at Lone Star, and one of our biggest picks of the month came in in the first race. A $1 super that returned $5,820. Oh, they're still counting your money at the window if you cash that ticket. That's the easy win forms. Come on over at Winning Ponies. Really easy to get. Very inexpensive. Very successful. You can see all of our results. Of course, we're at the tail end of Keeneland where we did have a lot of good success there. Uh, and uh, really uh, had a great week uh, at Golden Gate. So uh, easy win forms. You decide who you like. Call Bet US for all your gambling needs. All right, there's our guests, there's our sponsors, and now let's take a look at what's going on with the Derby. Taba, the uh, kind of upstart, new kid on the block, coming into the Derby with only two lifetime starts. Uh, we'll see how he does, but he's been sensational in his only two starts for trainer Tim Yankteen, who took over for Bob Baffert. And uh, he had a great workout out in the West uh, after, of course, winning the Santa Anita Derby. Very straightforward from the 5 ace pole, according to Yachtine. Uh Very typical, uh, exactly, you know, what, what they wanted. Uh, he went out six furlongs in one, 12, and four. That's the morning workout. That would be the winning time on most horses, I bet. <laughs> Don't forget, Tim Yankteen also trains Messier, who went through the Bob Baffert uh, uh, transfer portal. And uh, Messier, uh, he was scheduled to work tomorrow. And so we'll find out. Now, um, he was second to the big hoss, uh, Taba, uh, in the uh, Santa Anita Derby. Uh, and very clear of Happy Jack. So uh, John Velasquez is taking them out on Messier, not to be overlooked, but he is working good in the morning. As far as the mornings, there wasn't too much uh, going on uh, today. Remember, it is open to the public, and only the Derbies and the Oaks horses go uh, between, I believe it's 7 and 7.30. Um, but uh, you can go and watch these these horses. Most of them are just galloping at this time. The majority of work's been done. There are still um, just uh, uh, a few late workouts that are going to happen probably in the next 
two days because now they're saying it's going to rain on Sunday. So some trainers will probably move their last work up to Saturday and possibly postpone it till early in the week. But you don't want to go too close to the race. So we'll find out. Stay tuned. Uh, Mike Welsh, the Daily Racing Forum, does a fantastic job at um, tracking all the action there. Now, uh, one of the uh, European shippers, summer is tomorrow, even though things have been pretty cool in the morning, got really hot this morning and lathered up, something he hadn't been doing on the previous days, and that's never a positive sign. So summer is tomorrow. It's going to have a lot cut out for him a week from Saturday. And another horse that should be on the pace would be Classic Causeway, who did decide to come into the race. Um, and uh, he uh, is is going to be going to post and look for him to be somewhere on the lead. Uh, Barber Road uh, galloped out really good at the end of his six furlong uh, work and gave off positive vibes on Thursday morning after the work. Uh, no change in plans for Pletcher's trio of Modonigal, Chargett, and Pioneer of Medina. And uh, again, in the words of Mike Welsh, positive vibes looking good. And the same hold trues for Zandon, who will want to do much more than his rider allowed, but uh, did not get away. Here's a... Uh, Something you may have missed, but it happened recently. Jockey Cowboy Jones died at 79. Some of you folks on the two coasts might not know him, but he was a legend here in the Midwest. He rode uh, for a period that spanned more than five decades. Yeah, five decades in the saddle. He's the stuff of legends. He died Sunday evening. 79 years old. Uh, he wrote his first winner in 1959 and his final winner in 2004 at Turfway Park. Uh, he was a perennial leading rider in the 60s and 70s at Ellison. A lot of you won't recall this, the old Miles Park in Louisville, Kentucky. So uh, uh, a true Riding legend Cowboy Jones is with us no more. One riding legend that is with us, he's been a frequent guest on Winning Ponies, none other than John Court. He won the Grade 2 Oaklawn Handicap, and he's getting Jockey of the Week. He's no Cowboy Jones, but he is 61 years old, and he's going to come back and continue to ride at Churchill Downs. He started riding in 1980, and he has ridden over 4,239 uh, victories. Um, he's so uh, John Court, just a class act, really happy for him, riding a long shot for his longtime supporting trainer, Dallas Stewart, and owner Willis Horton, uh, to, to get the job done out there at Oak Lawn Park. Um, last Samurai and the 61-year-old Court uh, took the lead in the first turn and said, see you later. As I said earlier, Lone Star Park is opening up their 25th anniversary meet. There's going to be over $2.9 million on the stake schedule. As a matter of fact, our next guest uh, sometimes makes the trip out there to uh, to Lone Star and Remington. He might be uh, picking up a few of those purses. None other than Eric Reed's going to be with us during the next uh, segment. But again, 
If you're looking uh, for one, it's per- particularly if you're an East Coast guy and you're looking for something to do in the evenings, Lone Star's uh, going to be uh, o- opening up. And again, we already had our first pick on that with our easy win forms. Uh, they're opening up a week earlier than usual, and they're going to close a little later on July 24th. If you want to put that on your schedule, uh, it, 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 that $2.9 million is an increase of uh, almost a million dollars in their purse schedule. Not bad at all. Quick look at last week's races. Champion Mandaloon made it. I mean, Mandaloon. <laughs> Malathat uh, returned with a win in the Double Dog Dare at, uh, at at Keeneland. That was on Friday. Remember, she was the three-year-old Philly champion of 2021. Looked like a really solid prep. Um I, Pletcher was kind of didn't want to use her up too much in some of the bigger races uh, leading up to the season. So uh, took it easy, got the easy win at the double dog dare uh, champion uh, channel maker. He is absolutely phenomenal. Set a stakes record in the Elkhorn victory. What a horse, eight year old gilding. You'd like to have one of this in the barn. That was his 44th career lifetime start and now has won well over three and a half million dollars. Written by Luis Sayez, trained by Bill Mott. And one more result real quick. Scalding hold it off dynamic one to win the Benali at beautiful Keeneland. And certainly Saturday was a great day to be there. It's always a great day to beat the track when, as you're trying to force your way through the crowd, you bump into a guy and look up and see his smiling face. It's none other than Eric Reed. And I saw him and said, Eric, will you join me to be on the show this week? And he said, no problem, buddy. So we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to be coming back. We're going to talk to trainer extraordinaire, the man on the outside looking in in this year's Kentucky Derby. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. 
or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Well, you know, in in the racing game, uh, it's filled with many, many wonderful people. Uh, The the, the people that write for some of the things out there like to point out what's wrong with racing. I like to point out what's right with racing. And uh, a, a man and his wife that have had a real positive influence on the game that's totally backed by their owners and that he had to find out the hard way how much horsemen uh, respect and and will come to him if he needs help. None other than Eric Reed. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, John. Doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It was great to see you down at Keeneland the other day. And uh, I, I, I know you're kind of, uh, you know, the guy on, on the outside looking in. But so do, do you kind of wake up every day, wait for the gallops to be done, and then grab the latest, uh, you know, racing form or something and see, okay, did anybody get a cough? Did anybody throw a shoe? Has anybody decided they want to go in another direction? I mean, do you, is there a little bit of anxiety every day as you might get closer to the starting gate? Yeah, there's been a lot of that, man. Uh, actually, I look for the text to come in from the couple people that are assigned to us to give me the daily updates and, uh, you know, every time it buzzes, I'm hoping it's one of those guys. So we're still sitting here waiting on those texts to come through saying you're getting closer, you're getting closer. All right. Well, the horse we're talking about is Rich Strike. And I, we're going to get to Rich Strike because he, he he's the current part of the story. Uh, but, you know, I, I look back at my guest list and uh, the, the last time I, I, I had Eric on, uh, was uh, shortly after he's nice enough to invite me down uh, to his uh, Mercury Equine Training Center. Am I blowing the name of your facility? No, nope, that's good. Okay. Um, invited me down to see it and to watch a day's action down there. And uh, well, most of the action was in the back barns where Kay was very busy. Eric was up drinking coffee with the owners, watching the horses gallop in a circle. So I guess it's a great team effort down there. But no, the point I'm getting at, and I am busting his chops, um, is the fact that it, it was a fantastic facility. And uh it was about, I'm going to say, six years ago that uh, a tragic fire tore through one of the most beautiful barns there, and uh, you, you lost 23 races, 23 horse races, uh, 23 horses. Um, I don't want to bring that up because you've been through so much uh, uh, traumatically about it, but let's talk about the good side of that. How can there be a good side of that? Well, from the different things I've read, and Marty McGee wrote a nice article about you this week in the Daily Racing Forum, Eric, was how you know the, the mountain of frustration that you faced – uh, after the fire, not to mention the sadness and the tragedy, and thank God you and your staff were all okay. Um, I, I, that during your comeback, um, as emotional and as, as taxing as it was, and as, as you probably had to be pulling your uh, never-to-be-found gray hair out, um, that uh, y- 
you got so much response and support from other horsemen that it kind of it seemed to re-energize you. It says, wait a second, we're not shutting our doors. We're going to build some more dolls, get those stalls back and get back to where we were. What was that period in your life like, Eric? I know we could talk about it for an hour, but just describe some of the emotions if you can. Well, you know, from the night of the fire, um, pulling up on the scene, seeing the flames shooting up in the air, knowing that probably all was lost. Um, the good news was the next morning we realized without us even knowing because of the chaos going on was we had saved 13. I mean, we lost 23 wonderful animals. And, uh, you know, just it was the first glimmer of, of hope, I guess, or, or, or anything good of this thing came when we found 13 that we had rescued, and we really thought we'd only rescued three or four. It was just that chaotic going on. And uh, immediately the outpouring of people coming the day after, uh, or the morning of, you know, the morning of, which is the next day, but they came in uh, in groves, bring coffee, food, hay, webbings. Um, Teresa Little, uh, came in with a truck and trailer, started taking horses to the clinic that we had saved. Uh, without being asked, these people just showed up. And, I mean, they were running all over the place while I was dealing with the fire inspectors and identifying the, the, the horses. Um, so, you know, we're at the pretty much the lowest that, that you can get in this game. I don't see how you can get any lower. But um, And then things just started picking up. We had trucks come in over the next few days from Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia, people that I'd never met, didn't know who I was, uh, bringing hay, uh, bringing blankets, tubs. Um, it was just unbelievable. And of course, all the local people, friends that I'd known forever, um, big farms, little farms, um, people that you knew were your friends, but you just, you know, you, you hadn't maybe been in touch with as much. People started showing up, and they were there to support me, to pick me up. Um, Bob Baffert called and from California, you know, just to say, don't let this take you out. And, um, you know, it just lets you realize how much good is out there. And so we go from the lowest to lowest to seeing something that I'd forgotten about, and that's how great the horse community really is and how much we care about each other. You know, that that is so good to hear, Eric, because, uh, you, you know, I mean, you've been in the game, uh, you know, since your father who trained for 40 years under uh, the great Mac Miller. Uh, you, you know, there was such a, a feel of camaraderie there. And then I don't know where it's. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems it's come somewhat slightly unraveled in the last decade or so where we, we lost some of the tight knit back slapping how you doing everybody rooting for everybody to a little more of a a cutthroat a cutthroat cut uh, approach to the game everybody was kind of out for the person um it, it's so heartwarming to hear that no no this sport is not only peppered but it's dominated by good people yeah there's a lot of good people in this game and you know, people that you compete with on a daily basis and you're supposed to be competitive and uh, you're supposed to want to win every race and uh, you hope that everybody comes back good. But people just showed up I hadn't seen in years. Um, and they were there, you know, offering help. 
wanted to help clean up mess, anything they could do. And then, you know, the phone calls and letters, um, the, the countless emails. It took weeks to respond to everybody. And, and it gave me it gave me the uh, get up and go that I didn't think I was going to have because there was a big time when I thought that was it. I just didn't know if I wanted to go any further. I'd come so far to get this big, beautiful place. Um, and then for something so tragic to hit, um, it just seemed like, you know, something was telling me maybe, maybe you've run your course and all this kindness came in and said, no, the evil doesn't win. Good will prevail. And, and here we are today. <laughs> Those are wonderful words to hear. They really are. Now, uh, believe me, rebuilding a barn from 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 when I say barn, the, the the main barn that got hit was the one where your office was, and uh, I did a lot of shots up there. The, the lower barns they remained okay, didn't they? By the grace of God, the wind blew that night from the front that came through that brought the storm um, in a direction where it rarely blows, and it blew the flames and the fire away from the house and the other two barns. Um, if it had been any other normal wind that we get during storms, it probably would have taken everything. Wow. So where are you now with the Mercury Equine Training Center, which is a fantastic facility? Thanks. It, we, we, we rebuilt the barn. We didn't build it back as large as the one that went. Um, I wanted to leave an empty space to always know that what was there. Um, you can't replace what was lost. Couldn't rebuild it the same. So we built a nice, beautiful 24-stall barn. Um, but I left the other 24 stalls that would have been there had we built the same type of barn. It's empty. It still has the trees that were lining the, the backside of it, and it'll stay there. It's got a little monument. And, you know, it's to never be forgotten what was. And um, I just felt that that was the right way to do it. Well, that, I absolutely support and believe that that was the right way to do it. Now, so uh, I, I guess it's difficult to put something like that behind, but you're probably so busy rebuilding that somehow the, 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 the sorrow kind of slowly leaves you. And are you guys kind of back to where you were? Because that, now I, I know the layout of your barn, you're, you're, training track was up and away from where I believe the the fire would have been. So that's all good and intact, and you're ready to go up there, right? Yeah, everything was saved other than the loss of the barn and the, the landscaping around it. We lost all of our memorabilia, all the wind pictures, the Breeders' Cup saddle towels and memorabilia, um, you know, pictures of people that I love dearly that I kept in my office, you know, those things are gone, but that happens to, you know, any house fire, business fire. Um, it's part of the loss. You got to deal with it. Um, I still have those pictures in my mind, so they're always here. And, um, we're, we're back as full capacity, um, doing great by the blessing of a lot of kind people that have given us horses and we've been uh, doing good, but you know, the sorrow is always there if you want it to be, it's uh it's just how you choose to uh how you choose to look at it so every day i look down uh, at the new barn and i'm thinking you know what a beautiful barn and i look to the right and i think uh what a beautiful barn 
Well, and believe me, folks, no. uh, I'm sure you could get an invitation to come down and see this facility. It's fantastic. And, hey, Eric is not a exclusive private trainer, so uh, he, he's easy to find at the Mercury Equine uh, Training Center. You can look that up real quick. So that helps me segue into your support people. Uh, number, I guess the main one we'll talk about now is Red TR Racing Limited, uh, Limited, um, and they came up with the horse. I don't know how much of it was you're doing or not, but somebody recognized after this horse's first dismal start that maybe blinkers would have helped. Not only did they help, but you put in a $30,000 claim and the horse won by 17 lengths. Yeah, we, we actually tried to claim two out of that race and got out shook on the other horse. But I liked this horse because he was working really, really good before his first start on the dirt. Um, I mean, he had three or four or five furlongs uh, bullet work. So I think one was 59 and change. So as a two-year-old, that was really pretty big. And they bet him first out. So studied the race, watched him. It just didn't look like he cared for the turf. And I think the reason he was in there is they had yet to get a mild dirt race to go for two-year-olds at the time at Ellis. So we figured maybe they just tried to get the distance by running on the grass and hoping he would take to it, and he didn't. So when they took him to Churchill a month or so later and dropped him in for the 30, he just looked like uh, if he was a true dirt horse and the turf was the reason he got beat, he was going to be a really good claim. And if he ran poorly, he was going to be a really bad claim. So it was kind of a roll <laughs> the dice thinking that the turf was the reason he got beat. They did throw the blinkers on him for the second race. But I believe uh, I believe a lot of that was just first start on the grass. I don't think it, he took to it, and he's done nothing wrong since. Well, very, very sharp. Now, uh, one of the things I like is people stuck, stick with you, and – you're sticking with a somewhat unknown, though I can testify to how talented Sonny Leone is. And from everything I've read so far, if you get in the Derby, Sonny Leone's going to get to ride in it. Without a doubt. Sonny is probably one of the most underrated, unknown jockeys around. And I tell a lot of people all the time, um, every top rider that you see today that's on the top of the standings was Sonny Leon at some point in their career. Um, they get in with the right stable, they get on a run, and then this is a business that's, you know, what have you done for me lately? And monkey see, monkey do. So when they see this guy winning all the races, naturally everybody wants to start riding them. And Sonny's had opportunities to leave and go to the bigger tracks. Um, I've had a couple agents called me a year ago and tried to get me to send him He's a family man. He's happy where he's at. And he told me a year ago when I was trying to tell him, you know, if you want to go and take a shot at making it at the bigger levels, I've got a couple of jock agents at the real tracks that can get you there. And he said, no, he said, this is what I want to do. He said, I'm very happy. I'm making a good living. And he said, maybe, uh, maybe one day you'll get a big horse and I can ride it. And it was just all being kind to each other. We didn't know a year later we were going to be in this situation, but um, I trust Sonny. He's rode good enough to get me in this position against two horses that are well regarded in the Derby already. And uh, so I have no reason to think he can't take us to the next step if we happen to get in there. And he deserves and that opportunity. It really mean more to me to watch him get in there than anything else. So, well, yeah, now, now, uh, 
Rich Strike, if he does get in, it'll be a hundred to one. I don't know when or if a horse is one at those odds. Um, he's he's a late running sort, uh, which traditionally. You know, doesn't play well, but but he but he really it seems the longer the race goes on, the stronger he gets. And I think what that's what the, been the most encouraging for you to send him a mile and a quarter. Yeah, we had we, we ran this horse at Keeneland the first time we ran him. He got in a lot of trouble, um, finished third, and was was running over horses. And Julian Le Peru rode him. He came back and he says, "This is a really talented horse." He said, "We had more trouble than we should have," and I was on the best horse. And I watched him mature from that race. And we actually were going to run him in the jockey club at Churchill. He drew the three hole in a 14 horse field. And I knew mentally he wasn't ready for what was going to happen. Um, being a late runner back with 14 horses, the zigging and zagging two year olds with one or two starts. So I scratched him and we were going to go to Remington, which would have been the first two year old uh, points race. Uh, he got sick a week before the race. So our plans were really messed up from October and we thought we had a horse that maybe could could get there. Um, we were guessing, but he showed a lot of promise in how he trained. So I took him to the fairgrounds. We caught Epicenter in a race going a flat mile. Um, he was really not himself in the paddock. It took three of us to get him saddled. He just was not the normal, smart, calm, and collected horse that I was used to training. And... Um, he still managed to gain ground on everybody in the race from second on back and galloping out went by all of them, but epicenter. So I knew he belonged. It was just, was he going to mature mentally and get going? And we didn't want to run him up and down the highway every 30 days for derby prep. So turfways our backyard. He worked well. I knew they had two point races and uh, you can go back and watch the race in the Pataglia. Um, he probably was the best horse. He was stopped two or three times down the stretch to get beat just a couple lengths. And uh, maybe that little bit he got beat for third is going to be what keeps me out of the race. But uh, he got the point there, and he came back in the Jeff Ruby at a longer distance on a track that played serious speed bias that day, and he closed again and galloped out by everybody after the race, just full of run. Um, well, and the way he worked the other day at Churchill with that long stretch, I, you know, I can't say he's not going to win. He would win it, but I would never say he, he couldn't win it if he was to well, get in. Well, let's get him in the start gate first. We're talking about Rich Strike with Eric Reed. Eric, uh, my producer, Jai Reed, telling me we got to go, John. So, Eric, I hope to see you out there on the first Saturday of May. If not, it's always a pleasure to see you and Kay at the races. Always great to see you, and thanks for having me on. All right, that was Eric Reed. Quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be going out to Las Vegas talking with our man, Rich Ang. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. 
Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. I already gave the thumbnail sketch of our frequent guest, Rich Ng, the author of Betting on Horse Racing for Dummies. And told you he can be found almost daily on Race Day Las Vegas uh, with our friend Ralph Sirocco. Broadcast live on 1400 KSHP AM and, of course, streamlined live on the Internet. Rich Ng, how are you doing? Hey, good evening, John. Always a pleasure to be on with you. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we're all catching derby fever, especially since Nevada finally got a contract done with Churchill Downs Incorporated. So we're going to be able to bet on Churchill when they open up on, on Saturday. Thank goodness. Uh, I'm sorry they were playing that game again. I remember going through that in the old days uh, with the tracks in Ohio, and it'd be this like this carrot, like, well, we're going to give it to you, but we decided to up our rate for the year at blank. And if you don't take that, well, then you're not getting the derby. And then the horsemen would get involved. It was ugly. So, no, I'm really glad uh, that happened out where you are because God knows. I mean, it's probably into the billions that's bet out there. Well, I had to do research because I could not remember when the uh, blackout started. And it actually started in October 2019. That's how long we haven't been able to bet on Churchill Downs. And, you know, I'm pretty good friends with a lot of the race book directors and managers in town. And I would call them up from time to time just to check in as see how the progress was going. And, um, you know, one of the things I had heard in past conversations was, one of the stickling points was not actually the price per se of Churchill Downs, uh, which, uh, you know, is, is obviously a, a tremendous racetrack and a tremendous signal, <clears throat> but they were trying to bundle other tracks that Churchill either owned or represented it to get the same price. And, mm-hmm. you know, all, all racetracks are not the same price. I mean, if, you know, if your listeners understand racing, they know that, you know, the bigger tracks, and the smaller tracks, there's a reason there's a difference between the two. And, um, to charge the same price just didn't make sense. So that actually I heard was one of the, one of the sticking points over the years was, was that bundling. Well, that is great because that's really going to open up the floodgates uh, for for you out there, and of course for all your uh, the, your people that enjoy uh, the, the 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 betting game. So, uh, Rich, now uh, just to kind of paint the picture for yeah. 
our, our listeners and for uh, how now what's the week going to be like or week and a half going to be like for you and Ralph Sirocco as you gear up towards Derby Day? Are you guys doing any special events or anything? Well, I know Ralph is going to be doing a really nice seminar, Derby seminar on Oaks Day, Oaks Night, actually, after the Oaks card is done. He's going to be at the South Point with uh, John Lindo, uh, I think someone you've you've, uh, come across, a horse owner and uh, uh, does his own radio show and among other things. And also Brad Free of the Daily Racing Forum is coming in from Los Angeles. He's going to be spending Derby Day uh, here in uh, Las Vegas, or at least he's coming in for the seminar. So those three, uh, Ralph Sirocco, John Lindo, and Brad Free are going to be over at the South Point uh, on uh, Friday night and go over uh, the, the Derby and maybe a few other cards, uh, races on the card. Uh, yours truly, John, for the first time in, God, I can't remember when, I'm not doing a seminar this year. So anyway, uh, but but so be it. I'll I'll still be out front and, you know, people can still reach me. Through various hey, you're, things. <laughs> you're, you're doing your seminar right now before thousands of Winning Pony <laughs> listeners. So the, he's, he's not going to be able to fit this many people into wherever he is, even though I love Ralph. Don't get me wrong. So uh, speaking of that, you know, a lot of times I call you during the year. It's, it's when a lot of action is swinging out to the West Coast. So I, I lean to you for that. But obviously, uh, you've got to broaden your horizons for the first Friday and Saturday in May. But real quick, uh, if I can get back to a, a West Coast story, and, and that's 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 Tava. I'm not going to say a single word leading up to this. I just want to know your feelings about this horse. Well, I, I know that the, for him to win the Kentucky Derby in his three, third career start would be absolutely unheard of. Uh, I can't remember who the horse was who who done it. Somebody has done it. But it was Leonidas. Leonidas. <laughs> but the, what what year was that? I I don't even remember. Um, um it was like nineteen thirty five or something like that. So yeah, it yeah. goes way. It might have been eighteen thirty five for all I know. Uh, Marty mentioned know. it in his last story. But yeah, yeah, you know they they ran out of the different curses, so now they're coming up with the legend of Leonidas. But no, I I, I just again want to read because. I, I still haven't been able to bring my eyebrows down from watching this horse's first two performances. Yeah, just a couple of things, certainly, in the, the horse's resume that make an awful lot of sense for him being a, a potential champion is uh, the, the owners did spend $1.7 million for uh, this horse at the Fessick Tipton. So he's meant to be a good animal, and he started out his career uh, under the tutelage of Bob Baffert won that first race under Bob's training, and then uh, had the barn switch to uh, Tim Yachtin. And uh, Tim uh, had the horse saddled and ready to go in the San Diego Derby. And uh, that was just an unbelievable effort, considering the fact that you had Forbidden Kingdom and you had Messier in there, who looked like they were going to be one-two, and the rest were window dressing. Well, this horse turned out to be the main course, not not an appetizer. And uh, Mike Smith uh, (laughs) has has the ride, and you know, but but still, I, I just have a hard time getting my arms around the fact that he's going to be one of the favorites, and he's going to be making his third start. And Lord knows he's going to be facing a twenty-horse field. When you look at the the first two races of his career, John, in the maiden race he ran against a field of seven, including himself, and in the San Diego Derby it was a field of six. 
So that's 13 horses he's going to be facing. He'll be among 20 uh, on the Saturday after this Saturday. And that's, I tell you, it gets awful crowded out there, uh, you know, for a young horse. Well, Mike Smith sounds awful confident. It uh, feels like he's a push-button horse, and that, that uh, depending on what position he draws, that uh, if need be, he can be out there, uh, up there near the front end. And as you know, in a bulky field of 20, you'd rather be in the top five than the last five. Yeah, one way to stay out of trouble in a big field is to be, if not on the lead, then at least in the front part of the group because then most of the other horses are behind you. There's not nearly as much traffic in front of you. And, uh, you know, these are all champion jockeys, and uh, their job is basically to stay out of trouble. If, if the horse is ready to go, John, as you well know, uh, the jockey just has to stay out of the horse's way and let the horse run. So, uh, you know, being forwardly placed uh, is usually a good thing. Well, again, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Winning Ponies Seminar with uh, with Rich Eng. And uh, so now we're going to delve, I'm going to ask Rich to, to, to come up with his Las Vegas trifecta for our listeners. Now, now again, well, this, is, this is without mm-hmm. every without post positions, without the final week of, of, of training. But, you know, right now, who are you leaning towards, Rich? Well, uh, you know, I'm going to have to go past <clears throat> three horses if if I could be allowed just a little more leeway because and these are not going to be my final selections. I got to wait oh, for no, the draw. Oh no, 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 just the, give me your uh, highlights. <laughs> give me your highlights. I'll box them in but, the try. Don't worry about that. Well, I'll stay in the race that the Taba came out of, but uh, the horse who really impressed me a lot was Messier <clears throat> because he went uh with uh, Forbidden Kingdom the early part of the race. He used a lot of energy early and in the stretch run, you know, it looked like he was going to win all of a sudden uh, Taba came by and uh, he fought him tooth and nail, but I uh, couldn't fight him off till the end. But you know there are have been other times uh, in my history where the second horse has served me better than the first horse. I'm thinking in particular the year that Real Quiet ran second to Indian Charlie in the San Diego Derby. I came out of the race loving Real Quiet, even though he ran second and uh, ended up getting a great price because Indian Charlie ended up being a bear. But Messi is an interesting animal who did not win his final prep race. Uh, as far as some of the other horses, uh, the most obvious horse is Epicenter, and uh, he could easily win this race in the fact that the way Steve Asmussen has handled him and gotten him to be better and better with each start. He has not gone backwards yet in his speed figures and in his training. Uh, he certainly is a deserving favorite. And, and in my mind, I hope he goes off really low, job because that pushes the odds of the other 19 horses up. Um, I'll give a real bomb that I do have a, uh, a real rooting interest for. Uh, I bought a Kentucky Derby future book. This is the only horse that was able to get through to the starting gate. Uh, knock on wood. We still got uh, a few more days, but uh, hopefully <laughs> it'll be there, but it's a horse called cyber knife. Um, yeah. I bought a, I bought a ticket on him be- while he was still a maiden at 150 to one. So uh, I just want to get him to the starting gate. Um, he's He's got a big job to try to win it. He's probably going to be uh, one of the longer-priced horses, even though he's a Brad Cox and the Florent Giroux. But I, I envision him being somewhere in the range of 12 to 15 to 1 in the 20-horse field. But um, he, he won in the Arkansas Derby, and his race before that was kind of like his wake-up race because he had kind of, you know, 
shown ability but hadn't been able to break through. Well, the last two races, it looks like he is breaking through. But at 150 to 1, I don't have to make a win bet on him. So Cyberknife is certainly a horse I'll be rooting for. Uh, I will be, too. That 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 is great. All right. Uh, continue to uh, paint the picture here, Rich. Well, um, a horse that I definitely like and will be on all my tickets as far as verticals and horizontals is Zandon from Chad Brown. Uh, I loved his race in the bluegrass. And I, I tell you what, this has been one of my best Keeneland meets ever. And, and, you, and you've known me for a long time. Um, we I used to go to Keeneland a lot when I was out at Turfway Park and living in uh, uh, northern Kentucky. And I used to go to Keeneland a lot or bet on the simulcast. But <clears throat> this has been one of my best Keenelands and I'll, uh, and I'll tell you why. There's one person I can credit for it, Flavion Pratt. I, yes. When he came in to say that, uh, you know, he was going to uh, leave Southern California, ride at Keeneland, uh, I guess he's going to ride in New York and Belmont and Saratoga. I put Flavion Pratt on almost all my tickets. I don't care what kind of animal he was on. I know how good this kid is, and uh, he showed the rest of the world how good he is. And um, he's the jockey on Zandon. He gave this horse a really uh, uh, impeccable ride. I know he had to come from far back and weave through traffic. I, I saw some items on Twitter criticizing Pratt for the ride. I'm, I'm thinking, what race were they watching? <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> so, sometimes sometimes it's not a perfect trip. you got to, you know, weave your way through traffic. Uh, I, I would compare it to what I read Ortiz did with Pizza Bianca to win the Breeders' Cup. Uh, last fall, sometimes, you know, when you're coming from far back, the horses won't move out of your way, so you got to run around them and between them. But uh, he gave this horse a beautiful ride. This horse, Chad Brown, he has never won a derby, just like Asmussen, but it's something that's on their list. They want to get it done. This horse is certainly one of the ones. Uh, he is peaking at the right time. And, and I'll, I'll give a sidebar note for the future beyond the Kentucky Derby. I still think that Chad Brown has a, a better three-year-old than this even if he wins the Derby on, on uh, Saturday. Um, the horse that I really like, and I know Chad Brown really likes, is a horse called Jack Christopher, who is back in training. He's had about yeah. eight workouts. I don't know what the plans are for him to start, but uh, you know, I'm just telling your listeners, keep an eye on Jack Christopher for later on this summer. I, you know, It's funny, now that you bring up his name, I realize – you know, he's off the radar. I haven't heard anything about it because I remember he was very talented as a younger horse. Well, you said something a few minutes ago uh, about Messier, and he is certainly not a horse to be thrown out. I mean, this horse in his career, Rich, has never been worse than second. And, you know, the old saying is, bet the other Baffert horse. You're out, you're out there. How many times have you seen that? Where, where, where Bob <laughs> Baffert will have an absolute standout in four to five and some guy that looks like he's just in there to keep him company, you know, at six to one. And the six to one shot wins. Maybe this is uh, Tim Yachtin's uh, baptism of <laughs> the, the second horse might be the one to bet. Because you're going to get odds on a horse that's never finished worse than second yeah if, if this horse if messier goes off at eight nine or ten to one say and, and i may be too high it may be too low but to me that's value this is a really talented horse and the fact that he did not win his prep means that the other horse Taba, will probably be lower odds than messier but in my mind there's nothing wrong with messier 
and the, the things I've said about them, obviously I cover uh, Southern California racing very closely being out here in Las Vegas. I've watched every one of his horses starts. Um, he was he went off at one to two in his career debut. He didn't win, but um, you know he has developed nicely, and especially now uh, he won by 15 lengths in the Lewis, and then he put up a, a good fight in the San Diego Derby. I, I think he's the kind of horse who could who could peak. You know, a lot of these horses are going to peak in the Kentucky Derby. It's just a matter of who peaks the highest, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, sp- speaking of of peaking, uh, the bookstores uh, have uh, have peaked out of of your uh, betting on horse racing for dummies. And from what I understand, uh, you br- you're going to bring that baby into the shop and uh, put in some new wheels and, and a, a new coat of paint and, and unveil <laughs> it on the showroom floor in the near future. Yes, uh, you know, the busiest time of year for my book sales for betting on horse racing for dummies are right before the Kentucky Derby and, and through the Triple Crown and also prior to the Breeders' Cup because we get a lot of newcomers or a lot of uh, irregular uh, horse racing fans who become, you know, fans for those big events. And uh, the publisher of uh, betting on horse racing for dummies, the Dummies Books, is Wiley Publishing in Indianapolis. And uh, they contacted me around Christmas time to ask if I wanted to do a second edition, which was a, a big compliment, not just to me. I think it's a big compliment to horse racing because that told me that, one, uh, we sold enough books to merit a second edition, and two, they feel that racing, while on social media a lot of people are saying the sport is dying, their researchers say that, hey, there's a lot of growth potential for this, or they wouldn't be spending the money, the effort, the time to put out a second edition. So I I look at the glass half full, John. I don't know about you guys out there, but, um, you know, when I see people just tearing down racing constantly, it, it just irritates me to no end. Well, all you got to do is listen to our first interview with Eric Reed, and you'll get a whole new feeling about the sport of racing when when he tells you about all the great people in the game that helped him rebuild the Mercury, Mercury Equine Training Center after that uh, tragic fire and loss of wow. 23 thoroughbreds. So, yeah, he, 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 he took a glass empty and has refilled it. So, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I totally uh, agree with you, Rich, that we, we just got to get more people like, like you and me to point out the positive things that are going on in racing. But the important thing is people are buying your book and I'm happy to hear that, but you know, a lot's happened since you first published it. So you, you probably go, got to go back and look at all the things that per information you gave out that perhaps has changed or tweaked a little bit because of the information age. Yeah, that's 100% correct, because I, I wrote the first Dummies book in 2004, and it came out in the spring of 2005, and it came on the heels of uh, two exciting Triple Crown runs by uh, Funny Side and by Smarty Jones back then. And now this go-around, 18 years later, I'm writing it in 2022. It'll probably be out either late December or uh, maybe even to the early 2023, but we followed two Triple Crown horses. American Pharaoh in 2015 and Justify in 2018. So, you know, the, the people who do their research at Wiley Publishing are, are trying to take advantage of, of hopefully uh, some growing interest. And but here's another angle, John. I, I had a conference call with them a while back. and Make, this make came it up. quick. I got to go. Oh, okay. Um, sports betting was legalized a couple of years ago, and they used the term 
a rising tide raises all boats. There you go. I love it. Rich Ang, thanks a million for being with us. I'm sorry uh, I've got to go. Uh, I'll be in touch with you over the days ahead. As you know, we got something going on. And have a great Oaks and Derby. Thanks so much for joining us on Winning Ponies. Hey, thanks, John. Uh, and good luck to you and all the listeners. And make some money uh, Derby weekend. All right, we will. And if there's a way you want to get a bet and you're not able to go down to Louisville, don't forget BetUS for all your gambling needs. They've been in the game for over three decades. You make a bet with them, it's as good as gold. I want to thank Eric Reed. I want to thank our producer, Jai Reed. I want to thank you for listening. Spread the word, Winning Ponies. It's Derby Week, folks. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.